So I was born in Seattle, Washington, and I started skateboarding when I was 12. It's something to do, you know, as a 12-year-old, so. <laughs> so my first board uh, was actually given to me by my uncle, and he had put it together in wood shop, and it had roller rink wheels. So they, he cut a, a roller skate in half and put it, nail it to a board. I wore the wheels out, like wood doesn't last very long on concrete, so. <laughs> When I was about 16, 15, 16, right around there, I decided that there really was no evidence for a god. Like, how could anybody believe that something invisible exists? Um, and I remember having numerous discussions, debates with my friends, you know, about it, whether there was a god or not. And I took the atheistic position. There was really no evidence for a god. Um, a friend of mine invited me to church which I thought was really strange, but he said, well, there's girls there. Well, at the time I was kind of um, shy and reclusive, and so the idea that there was girls there was kind of attractive. And so it's kind of funny because here I was an atheist attending church, like Wednesday and Sunday. The funniest thing is, is Sunday school became, uh, what kind of questions does Dan have now? Because if you can imagine, you have a bunch of 14, 15, 16 year olds all sitting around in this small room and most of them have been in church their whole life, except me. And so the guy leading the lesson would open up, you know, let's talk about, you know, Genesis in the beginning, God. And I interrupt him. I'd say, excuse me, well, how do you know there's a God? And I started to delve into it and say, you know, there's really only one way to really know for sure if there's a God or not. And that's to try. And so I gave my heart to Christ. And when I got done, I'm like, okay, that's really weird. I felt peaceful. The progression from being an atheist to being a Christian was that one night. But at the same time, my goal was to find out if it was true or not. And so I dove in with both feet. And I'm, I've been amazed ever since. When I became a Christian, all my friends were not Christians. And I was convinced not because so much intellectually, but because I felt something deep inside. I didn't, they said, well, you feel it in your spirit. I'm like, I don't know what a spirit is, but I feel it deep inside. All my friends were not Christians, and so I wanted to reach them. And I started to debate them. Like, they would say, well, how do you know there's a God? Same things I would say before. And I found that I didn't ever really convince anybody, but it made an impact. Not because I was so good at arguing, but because I loved them. I feel God's pleasure when I skate. It sounds really odd, but I, I just love it. <laughs> so that feeling is how I authentically feel. And so that in interjects me into this community that nobody else is in. Good morning, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. We're in our third week of this series, as you can see from head to heart. And uh, basically what we're doing is we're taking five weeks to look at different reasons why we actually believe in Jesus Christ. 
why we believe he's the son of God, why we believe that he is the reason for our existence and worth us following. And so, uh, so thank you if you're here and you're visiting or you're questioning or, or investigating uh, who Jesus Christ might be. Perfect series for you to come to. Thank you so much. For all of us who are believers in Christ, um, our hope too is, as our mission statement says, to invite everyone into the adventure of following God, but we also want to equip everyone to live out the adventure of following God. And sometimes if we can just grasp a little bit more of why we actually do believe this, and we want to think critically. Like last week, if you weren't here, I encourage you to watch the previous messages. So last week, we looked at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is actually something that every human being needs to think critically about because historians will never deny the fact that there was a Jesus. And when you look at the evidence, you have to come up with reasons for why does the church exist? Why did 2,000 people today actually have their faith in Christ and how did this revolution start after his death? It was a claim of the resurrection. So you can look at that. And then two weeks ago, we looked at the human heart, the fact that everyone knows. You read psychologists, not Christian authors, but just psychologists who know if you're human, (laughs) you need relationship. You need love. You need relationships that last. And then you look at this amazing person, Jesus Christ, what he taught, the life he lived, and the love that is from Jesus is unlike any love that we'll ever experience on this planet, and it meets that need. So those are a couple of things that we believe and why we believe in Christ. So today, what we're going to look at is another reason we believe is because of personal experience. And I just got to tell you, right, for me, I've been doing this for 30 years. I would not be doing this unless I was having a living, dynamic relationship with God. I've said this for 13 years here. If this is just a theory, if this is just a bunch of rules to follow, Come on, man, let's all leave, right? Because anybody else been out there? It's a beautiful day. There's a lot of things we could be doing. But if God is real, and if you can actually have a personal experience with him, then yeah, this is the right place to be. This is the right place to be. So in those of us, again, who are Christians, if you're a Christian, you are because you have had that personal experience. And billions of people through history have said they've had that. Now, let me just say, before we go into this farther, that does not prove that there's a God. (laughs) Just because I have had this experience, I know that. You you can read up that. I, I know that that doesn't prove the existence, but I do know that at least it's worth investigating why is it that so many people claim to have had a change in their very being once they put their faith in Jesus Christ. So, can I just pray? Let's pray for us real quick, and then we'll dive in. Lord, thanks for this day. And we look at you. Jesus told us, he said, when we pray, we should pray our Father. Amazing. Even there, right there, that you are a God who's relational. And on this Father's Day, we say thanks for loving us. Lord, here's what I know. You know every heart in this room. You know the deepest places of their being. You know every thought that they've had and that they will have. You know everything that's happened in their lives. And you know the future that you have for them. I'm just asking for your grace and mercy one more time, just today, to meet us here and to help us to get to know you. And I pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, 
few years ago, I had the uh, privilege of being at a, a conference, and the guy who was leading the conference actually brought in one of the leaders, or the leader, really, of the underground church in Vietnam. And it was fascinating. He wouldn't tell us his name, because he, he told every one of us, don't tweet this, right? Don't Facebook this. This is the fact that he's even in our midst is a very dangerous thing for him to be. It's, a, it's an incredible life and risk that he lives by being the, the, the father, really, of this underground movement of the church. And by the way, the church is exploding. <laughs> See, I, I, and I thought, isn't that fascinating that in a place where it's not supposed to even be able to explode, it's exploding. And so they gave us a chance to do Q&A um, at the end. And so my question was, I just sit there, I'm fascinated. I go, well, how are you actually sharing the gospel? Like, how, how are you sharing this with other people so that when they hear it, they're so compelled that they want to give their life to Christ? His answer was interesting to me. He goes, well, this is how it works. He goes, there are people who are either, let's say they've been drunks or they're mean-spirited. They're full of desperation. They're living destructive living. <clears throat> and then, all of a sudden, they won't be living that way anymore. And people go, and I don't know Vietnamese names, so we'll just go English here. And so somebody will go, well, what happened to George? How come he's different? And then George will say, well, I had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, and he's completely changed my life. And then that person will put their faith in Christ, and then their life changed. He goes, that's how it happens. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? <laughs> See, because here in America, we're all trying to figure out it up. We're like, well, let's, let's figure it out. How should we share this? What's the method? What can we do? And he goes, there's no method. He goes, the thing that makes the church grow is when people's lives are transformed, literally, by Jesus Christ, and nobody else can deny it. And that's, what they, and, and that's how it works. And so here's, in John chapter 1, this is just the basic message of Christ, okay? And I've, and I've shared this so much. Becoming a Christian, you guys, is not going to church. It's not following a bunch of rules. It's not trying. There are so many man-made things that we do that we try to say, if I do these things, then I'll get favor with God. Here's what Christianity is. In John chapter 1, it says this. To all who did receive him, meaning Christ, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. This is it. If this doesn't happen in a person's life, then you're not a child of God. See, this is the weird message because we like to say, well, everybody's a child of God. No, everybody is a creation of God. And everyone is loved. God so loved the, the world. Everyone is loved, but something happens in a person's soul when they put their faith in Jesus Christ and when they receive him and believe in his name. You literally receive the spirit of God and his spirit and your spirit get joined. Now think about this for a second. <laughs> If my human spirit all of a sudden gets joined with God's spirit, how could I stay the same? You, you couldn't do it. 
And so I, I've talked with people recently, actually a number of conversations, they're like, well, what is this born again thing? Or am I born again? Or what does born again mean? Born again simply means that you have put your complete trust in Christ and somehow something supernatural happens when you do and his spirit enters you and you're never the same. So here's what Jesus said, right? If you read it all, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stories of Jesus, he, all he talks about is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here, the kingdom of God. What is that? The kingdom of God is a way of life. Okay? The kingdom of God is a spiritual realm. And it's a completely different way to live than the rest of the world. In fact, Jesus says that's what heaven is. Heaven is the kingdom of God. In other words, it's the spiritual realm where God's presence is and he's the king. So God's stuff gets done. And it's good and it's beautiful and everybody wants to go to heaven. And then Jesus says this awesome thing. You can actually pray, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, so this, the, the, you and I can actually enter into the spiritual realm with God now. You don't have to wait to heaven. So here's what he says in John chapter 3. Jesus says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. This is so interesting. Humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. See, this is the change. When people are saying, I've had an experience with God, that's what they're saying. Something totally changed me. What? Because I was born of the Spirit. The Spirit produced a spiritual life inside of me. Now look at this. It says, you can't enter. In other words, you can't enter into a place where God is really the king where you actually want to follow him. That's why I say this, by the way, this is partly why I believe in all of this, is because no human being naturally wants to follow God. <laughs> we just don't want to. <laughs> so something actually has to happen in our heart. We got ahead of a new heart, right? So he says in this passage, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Now what does that mean? Well, right here, right? So we've got this baptismal thing. We're gonna celebrate three baptisms today or others more if any of you would like to join us today. But Jesus said we're gonna do some baptism. So two things have to happen, he says. You must be born of water and the spirit. What does he mean? Here's, look at this Old Testament prophecy, Ezekiel chapter 36. He says, I will sprinkle, right? This is way before Christ came. He goes, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you to move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So in, in Titus chapter 3 in the New Testament, it says he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal. So what's going to happen here later today is what? It's a beautiful symbol. Jesus is saying, hey, the only way you can ever enter into my kingdom, first thing that has to happen, you have to be born by water. You have to be, in other words, you have to be cleansed. You have to, all your sin has to be forgiven. He is a holy God and he does not have anything to do with sin. So, the first thing that happens is you go under the water and it's a symbol of you being completely washed. All of your sins. So, it looks like 
everything you've ever done wrong, anything you've done against God or another human being, completely forgiven. That's awesome. But not only this, you're born of the Spirit. So you get raised. So just like Jesus, the Holy Spirit rose Jesus from the dead, he says that same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside you. So he gives you a power, right? I love how he said this. I'll put my Spirit in you to move you. This was the biggest surprise to me that when I put my faith in Christ. I didn't try to, be, I didn't try to get God's favor. Once I received him, he gave me a new heart that actually wanted to follow God. I, he moves me. He gives me spiritual power to actually say yes to God. It's unbelievable. So that's the experience right there. And that's what we all celebrate. And people have been saying, this has been happening to me all through it. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. If anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here, and all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If you're actually a follower of Christ, this has happened to you. This is your story. Somehow, some way, Jesus came in and he made you new. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna share a couple stories right now. Because I just wanted to give us a couple more examples of this experience that people have had and has literally changed them. So I'm gonna ask James Reith and Danielle Pimentel to come up here and join me. Would you guys give them a warm welcome as they come to the stage? Awesome. Well, this is so cool. So uh, James has actually uh, moved here just this last year um, to join our staff. And so James, many of you have maybe already seen him on uh, the stage, but he uh, works with our middle school students here at K2, our vertical ministry. And then Danielle has been here, as I asked her first service, how long? And she said, uh, forever. So she's pretty much, her and her family have been part of K2 from the beginning. And, uh, and fantastic, Danielle has been on our spiritual advisory board as part of our leadership team here at K2 and an unbelievable blessing to me uh, throughout all these years. So I just asked these guys just to share their experience of how this happened in their life. So James, knock us off, man, kick us out. He did a great job this morning and just share, man, let's start off with what was going on in your own life and what you kind of grew up and give us your spiritual journey, man. Yeah, cool. So I wasn't really raised in church at all, but I wasn't raised like against God either. Uh, I just kind of grew up like, you know, being a kid, doing kid things, camping and all that fun stuff. And uh, like really gravitated towards science in middle school. I had a teacher that was like really nice to me and I, he taught biology and, and all of a sudden I loved like biology and chemistry and it seemed to make sense of the world I was living in, right? It provided answers, um, kind of like where we came from, all that stuff. So science was like my, my realm of understanding growing up. And go through high school, you know, struggles pop up as, as every high school experiences. And then as I get to the college years, like these other questions about purpose and meaning and, and these big why questions pop up and science doesn't seem to be able to answer those things for me. Uh, and so I find yoga, which is, I don't know, a packaging of new age kind of stuff and, and Hinduism and a little bit of Buddhism. I was kind of trying it all out. And uh, I all of a sudden had these cool spiritual you know, stories, and they seem to talk about compassion and suffering, and, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is it, like, this is truth, and, like, was, like, sold out for it, you know, and then 
Life didn't change, though. <laughs> like, none of, the, none of the struggles I was going through changed. Like, I didn't feel any different. Um, you know, I met different people, but that was about it. And, and yeah, so life takes a crazy few turns and uh, makes some, make some rough decisions, end up in, you know, doing stuff I thought I'd never do. And, um, yeah, I'm at a place where I'm just kind of, like, hopeless. You know, I, I kind of grew up not really understanding myself, not really loving myself, not valuing my own story not valuing other people's stories and just not being as connected and uh, kind of distant and isolated. Um, yeah, so I get this moment of hope when my dad's like, hey, come on home, I'll help you finish school, you know. And I was like, all right, sounds good. You know, I was, I was living in my truck rock climbing every day. It was fun, but it was horrible because I was, you know, living in darkness. And, and so I get this glimmer of hope, which, you know, as I'm telling this story, my dad cried for a service, so I got him. It was awesome. Um, so, so he invites me back home, and nothing changes right away, of course. And I meet this girl, take her on a date, and she says, well, whoever I date has to really love Jesus, like, first and foremost. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, cool, like, I respect that. Give her a hug, say goodbye. <laughs> didn't, didn't really know what that meant. I was like, oh, he's an enlightened teacher. Like, what do you, he's like Buddha. What do you need to know? Uh, clearly, I didn't know who Jesus was. So I started asking everybody I knew, even if they weren't Christian, like, who's Jesus? Because I don't know. Um, and it was funny because simultaneously I'm trying to figure out like how to forgive myself for all these like wrong things I've done. And then I'm with like an old friend who grew up Christian and, uh, he just told me like, well, that's why Jesus died on the cross was so that your sins could be forgiven. My mind explodes. I'm like, what? This is crazy. And, uh, and then I start seeing this like Christian counselor who, you know, happened to be Christian weird coincidence there. And she, you know, has a cross around her neck. So I ask her a question or two and she directs me to this church called Kensington and they're doing a science and faith series, odd timing there. And so <laughs> they, they're talking about how like science and faith can, can be compatible. They didn't go like super deep into it, but I was like, no way. I thought they were big enemies. I'm like, this is pretty cool. I can believe in God and not have to change everything I believe about everything, uh, which I ended up changing everything anyway. And yeah, I don't know. It was uh, it was really cool. And then I meet a, I meet a couple of young people that you know have a heart for God and, and seem to be genuine. They seem like interested in me and like they, they care about me. And then it was cool. Like I watched the service. The the sacrificial love of Jesus was just explained so clearly to me, like the gospel, what happened on the cross. And I couldn't deny it. And I was like on my knees alone after watching this on an iPad, hands up for Jesus. And uh, yeah, I gave my life to him. And that was like a little over two and a half years ago which is really cool. And then everything changed. Like that hopelessness, that darkness, that feeling that like, oh my gosh, I have to wake up every day and like go to work. Like this sucks. That wasn't there anymore. Like all of a sudden I was excited to wake up. Like I got to spend time with God. I like loved my family more instantly. And I had like hope and brightness and was like excited about the future. And I never knew what that was all about. And so it was so cool to see like everything change. Like I wanted to get to know people. I started loving people and, and letting people love me. And uh, yeah, in just a short time, I saw God like take my life and turn it around, you know, from church intern to going to the Middle East. I'm here at K2 now and, and I can see him start to grab my family and, and grab friends around me. And it's, uh, it's pretty amazing, so. Awesome, cool, thanks buddy. <clears throat> so Danielle, go ahead and share your spiritual journey, your story. Yeah, so I said, Dave, you want me to put eight seasons of Telenova de Daniela in five-minute tweet, but that's what we're going to do. 
And I said, that's actually supernatural to be able to do. So here we go. So be prepared. Um, so my background is that I was in a Mormon fundamentalist group. And we believed in the original teachings of Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, which included polygamy. And we, we, we lived that, we, we practiced that, and the reason we did was so that we could earn our way into our version of heaven, which was the celestial kingdom. And that just created a lot of, well, that just created a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of guilt. And I just always walked around with just a big ball of guilt in my, in my gut. And fast forwarding a lot, but fast forwarding, I left that lifestyle and I left that behind, but I had still a big, a big hole, a big emptiness to, to try and find the answers that I hadn't found in that lifestyle. So I was looking in mainstream Mormonism and New Age and, and Buddhism and I was talking to Jehovah's Witness and I, I wasn't, still wasn't finding the answers that I needed. And um, God brought into my life a, a wonderful lady and um, her and her family invited me and challenged me. They said, you know what? Just just come meet the Jesus of the Bible. Come to our church for three months and just experience the Jesus of the Bible and put that other stuff on the back burner for just three months. So I took them up on their challenge and I sat and did nothing but cry throughout all the worship because the words were just really speaking to me. And that was, like I said before, that the rest is history. I met this Jesus in the Bible, in, the, in his word, in the worship, in community and nothing in my life was the same. So just like we were talking earlier, just every single, there's not any portion of my life that was not touched by Jesus. And, but to probably the biggest transformation that changed, aside from the fact that I wasn't thinking of killing myself, wasn't, um, you know, in, immobilized by fear and anxiety and, depression, but probably the biggest thing was just the, the, the rage, the violence and the rage, the, the anger that I realized one day that's not a part of my life anymore. That's just not who I am anymore. And I was, you know, if you don't believe me, ask my kids. <laughs> but so that's, that's, you know, in a nutshell. It is amazing because seriously, you, yeah, thanks. Um, <clears throat> Literally, knowing both of their stories in depth, like I, I wish we did have about three hours, you know, each to, to be able to sit and share. But what I, it's interesting, I also asked them, it's like, yeah, but like, think about specific things. And there are, obviously. But, it, but they're, both of their answers were always intriguing to me. No, literally everything changed. See, and that's what we're saying. Like, how could my human spirit be infused with the spirit of God and not be, as the Bible says, the old's gone and the new has come. You are a new creation. You are completely different. And here's the other thing uh, with their story, both of their stories. Like James said, this was two and a half years ago for him. And in two and a half years, God has completely taken a guy who was completely consumed with himself. And now it, Jesus said, if you believe in me, he goes, streams of living water will flow from within you, <laughs> from within. So he gives you this fresh, everything's new thing. And then what happens? Bam, you just start pouring out to other people. That's the change that happens. And so now he's on staff at a church, right? I mean, it's like unbelievable transformation. And Danielle, the same thing. She's been on our spiritual advisory board. Many of you in this room have been ministered to by her and her husband, Renee, in prayer ministry. She had been, yeah, I mean, she just prays for people all over this week, just pouring herself out. And that's the new life that happens in Christ. 
And it just does, and you can see it. You can see the joy, see the freedom, and see the impact. And, uh, and that's the experience that anybody who actually receives Christ, not people who go to church, but people who've actually received Christ will have that story. It's just what happens, all right? So man, give these guys a round of applause again. Thanks so much. So, you know, trying to find a scripture or whatever to back this up, it's just everywhere. You cannot read the New Testament without seeing the radical transformation that God is saying, this is what will happen if you're born again, if you receive Christ, if you let him actually enter into your life. So one passage, though, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, Paul says, That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So basically, the verses before verse 20 are just a long list of behaviors, stuff that many of us in this room, not many of us, all of us in this room (laughs) as human beings struggle with. And their, their ideas and their ideologies and their behaviors that you and I are struggling with our own heart that, don't keep, that keep us from being free and their behaviors that when they get in, in relationship cause our relationships to just fall apart and suffer. And so what he says is, but that's not the, that's not the life. That's not the way of life that you learn. And then in verse 22 it says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created, this is so interesting, to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So this is what we talked two weeks ago. This is what God said, let us create man in our image, in our image, and so now, Excuse me. So we were created to be like God. That's what we talked about two weeks ago. This unbelievable love that he wants to pour inside of our heart. And yet human beings struggle so much just to be free. Our relationships are constantly struggling, falling apart. And he goes, but man, you can actually be a new creation created to be like God in true righteousness. True righteousness and holiness. And then you know what he does? And I didn't put down there because it's a long section. But starting with verse 25, he just starts going down and saying, let me tell you what true righteousness and holiness looks like. And here's what's interesting. It's all relational. It's all about relationship. He says, don't lie to each other, right? Well, we know that because when you lie to each other, you break trust and then your relationships fall apart. Don't hold anger. See, that's the thing that he released Danielle from. Like all of a sudden, anger, because anger builds up walls and builds up and, and destroys relationships. Don't steal from each other. This is an interesting. He says, no unwholesome talk. He says, only what is helpful for building others up. Isn't it crazy? We know that the Bible actually says there's life and death in this thing right here. And we've experienced, right? Your words can actually tear people down or they can build people up. And he goes, listen, when you're created like Christ, everything that comes out of your mouth, it's nothing unwholesome which tears people down. It's only what's helpful for building others up. Be kind, compassionate, forgiving each other. Because this is the new creation. And then he says this, follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children. 
So, right, what, what, is, what is, I receive Christ, and what happens? You get the right to be born of God. He becomes, and that's what Jesus said. He goes, he's your father, and you're his child. And so, follow God's example as dearly loved children. That's the change that happens in your heart. You know you're loved. And then walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. You guys, you know what? The best apologetic, which means the best testimony that there actually really is a God, the best reality of Jesus Christ is the church. That's God's whole plan. God's plan to let the world know that he exists was to create the church. The best witness there is on this planet is the church. And the worst witness on the planet is the church. (laughs) Because we claim the name of Jesus, but then we don't live like him. Right? And so people automatically think, well, that's Christian? Then forget it. (laughs) And yet, but here's the truth. You've all met people, though, who really are born again. And when you are, his love fills you up and you become transformed with ever-increasing glory into the image of Jesus. Little by little, you actually start looking like him. And when you look like him, you know what happens? We love each other. So much so that Jesus said this. This is why we know this is his whole way to let everybody know. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, he says, and you will be my witness. Now notice what he didn't say, he goes, and you'll go witness. He didn't say you'll go witness, he says you'll be my witness because my spirit will transform yours and you'll be free from yourself and streams of living water will flow to others. You will love like you've been loved. And then he says this crazy thing. Church, let's just talk about church. What's this message for us today? He goes, if you guys would simply love each other, he goes, then the world would know that I came from the Father because every human heart is looking for a love that never ends, that accepts us exactly as we are, no holds barred. That's the love of God. And then it's a love that transforms us. And if we experience that, so what do we want to do? We just want to keep living in the love of God. We want to keep living by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, since we live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, man. So when you blow it, just confess your sins, right? Because you've been washed by water. Confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you. And then let the Spirit fill you back up and go after it again. The world is only really going to believe, I think, and even should believe in Jesus if they can actually see him through the lives of the people that he has made new creations born of the Spirit of God.